Since 1968, Locust Magazine has been providing science fiction and fantasy fans with the most comprehensive industry coverage around. Every month, you'll find news covering publishers, conferences, and awards from around the globe, reviews for books and short stories from notable critics, insightful interviews with top authors, as well as up-and-coming talent, extensive listings of books and magazines published in the U.S. and the U.K., bestseller lists, promotions, commentary, color photos, and more. And now Locust can be delivered to your inbox every month, just log on to locustmag.com today to begin your 6, 12, or 24-month subscription, available as digital download, print, or both. If you love speculative fiction, be it fantasy, science fiction, or horror, Locust Magazine is the publication to keep you up to speed on the latest industry news each and every month. Hugo award-winning coverage, unlike any other magazine around. So what are you waiting for? Visit locustmag.com. That's locustmag.com. And subscribe today. It's the Grim Tidings Podcast, Grim Panel, Keeping It Indie. I'm your host, Rob Matheny. With me, as always, is my co-host, Philip Overby. How you doing, Philip? Hi, I'm great, Rob. How about you? I'm fabulous. I'm going hiking today, so of course, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm shut balanced. Shut up with the... Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Time to commune with nature. I think I'm going up to Mount St. Helens today, so we'll see how that uh, turns out. Uh, but first off, we need to do this episode. I'm excited today. Uh, we've had a few previous panel episodes, including Metal and Dark Fiction, Extreme Horror, Our Fantasy, and Zero One Publishing. Be sure to check out the show notes for those episodes. But these panel episodes are always a blast because it always has the potential of becoming a complete train wreck. And we surprisingly always seem to be able to pull it off. Now, self-publishing is often a topic we discuss here on the show. We both interviewed awesome indie authors like Graham Austin King, Charles McGarry, Joe Zebedee, and more. But we've also talked to authors like Anthony Ryan, who found amazing success self-publishing, selling thousands upon thousands of copies, and eventually getting multi-book publishing contracts. No doubt about it, self-publishing is a viable option for those who have the talent and the desire to take a crack at the business end of being an author. But it starts with the choice to go it alone. With technology now, it's amazingly easy to self-publish a book utilizing services like Amazon and CreateSpace. So we thought we'd bring on three awesome independent fantasy writers on the show today to chat about why they keep it indie. We'll cover a few topics, have a Q&A session, and by the end, hopefully... Everybody will learn a thing or two about independent publishing, what it means to keep it indie, and hopefully put some tools in your belt if you do, in fact, choose to go the route of self-publishing. So we do have three awesome guests on the show today. I wanted to introduce them each individually. They will give their name, their age, their location on planet Earth, and a little bit about their books. So let's bring on the first panelist here is the one and only Claire Frank. Claire, introduce yourself. Okay, hi, I'm Claire Frank. I'm 39. I live in Seattle, Washington. Um, I write epic fantasy. I have a series called Echoes of Amara and a standalone novel within that series called Assassin's Charge. Excellent. And thank you for coming on the show today, Claire. We appreciate thank it. Thank you for having our, me. Yeah, absolutely. Next guest in the line is Mr. Chad Ballard. How are you doing, Chad? I'm great. How are you doing? Good, good. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, please. Hey, my name's Chad Ballard. Uh, I'm 24 years old. I'm not actually 13. Um, <laughs> I'm from right outside of Peoria, Illinois. I, uh, I also write epic fantasy. Um, my first book out is called Sentinel. It's the first book in a planned trilogy called The Ashen Court. Um, I'm working on a couple other standalone things, but it's all kind of tied into the same epic fantasy universe awesome and thanks for coming on the show today chad we appreciate it and we complete the trifecta of authorly awesome today with our third guest and that is brandon awesome mustache Drega has joined us on the show today brandon thanks for coming on uh, thanks for having me rob go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience please. okay uh well my name is brandon Drega. i also write epic fantasy i write the four kingdoms saga series uh which is on its third book right now the fourth book is scheduled for sometime early in 2017. Um, I also write uh, fantasy children's books and uh, I'm working with the Ed Greenwood group currently in their epic fantasy setting. 
Very cool. So three independent authors join us on the show today. We do have an icebreaker question just to get the sillies out and to, to start off the show. And it's a nuclear apocalypse fallout shelter, a.k.a. Desert Island. So we want to know if you were stranded in a nuclear apocalyptic fallout shelter. Um, you get to bring one book, one album and one luxury item with you. Now, we don't know why you would be either listening to music or reading during the nuclear apocalypse, but it's still your choice to bring something along if you so choose. So we'll start with you, Claire. What are you going to bring? One book, one album, one luxury item in the apocalypse? Well, book, I have to go with The Lord of the Rings, and I maintain that all three are one book. And I read that about once a year anyway, so that I think would oh. do me well. Um, uh, let's see, album, I'd have to go with Queen's Greatest Hits, because that literally never gets old. And for a luxury item, geez, I don't know. I have to say coffee because I think without it, I would probably just die. <laughs> well, you are a Northwest-based author, Absolutely. so that makes Absolutely. <laughs> so Lord of the Rings and Queen and coffee. All right, Chad Ballard, you're in the post-apocalypse. Um, you've got one book, one album, one luxury item. Uh, for a book, I'd probably take probably Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson just because that's always been since it came out it's been my favorite book mm. um as far as album goes i'd probably take uh, wretched and divine by black bell brides um just because i think it fits the post-apocalyptic setting It'd probably get me in the mood <laughs> for uh, killing some zombies and uh luxury item i'd probably have to bring uh as much pepsi as they'll let me uh, wow. sneak into the shelter seeing a theme of caffeine here <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> playing itself out all right, and then Brandon Drago, what do you bring into the zombie apocalypse, sir? Okay, uh, well, for a book, I'm actually going to go a little off the cuff and say uh, a blank notebook uh, so that I can Ooh. actually get some writing done uninterrupted oh, for the first snap. time ever. Oh, Twilight Zone. <laughs> and then your pen breaks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had so much time. <laughs> um, for an album, I would go with Hey Ho, Let's Go, the Ramones anthology, because it's like Ooh. four discs long and just spans their entire 20 odd years as a band and the Ramones are classic. Yes. Um, and for one luxury item, um, I, it, since we're going post-apocalyptic and there's actually going to be concrete around, I got to bring my skateboard. Sweet. <laughs> Skater till you die. Right. Remember that awesome, awesome uh, NES game, Skate or Die? I Anybody have remember that? for my classic NES, yes. <laughs> Sick. That game was hard as shit. Yes, the controls were awful. I had the circular joystick two thing on the the coin op version. Oh yeah, this on for seven twenty. Yeah. Yep. So you can do the wheelie flippy dealy. That's what it's called, right? The wheelie flippy dealy. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the technical term for it. Yeah. That's the technical term. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's a bit of a retro term. I think that that kind of went out of fashion. Eighty seven, eighty eight. It just started. I keep it old school, Brandon. After that, right. <laughs> Awesome. So we've got three fantasy authors on the show today. You are indie authors. So I wanted just to start out with the simple question of why you decided to take the indie route with uh, publishing your fiction. And we'll start with you, Claire. When and where were you when you decided that uh, self-publishing, indie publishing was going to be a route that you were going to go in? And what made you make that decision? Um, I think that I would say I researched my way into it. Um, I've been a writer for a very long time. And... Um, back in a while ago, back when I was like Chad's age, um, I, I was writing a lot and going to writers conferences and learning everything I could. And then for a number of years, I sort of took a break from fiction writing and that sort of coincided with when I had kids. So as I was coming back into it and writing again and finishing what became my first published book, I figured, I think I need to figure out what's going on in publishing these days because it's probably different than it was 10 years ago maybe and it turns out it was a lot different so I just I started doing a lot of research I started looking into my options I started reading blogs and um, articles and all sorts of things and just eventually came to the conclusion that that this was this was the path that was going to work for me excellent and then Chad you're the next one um, for this question what made you decide to take the indie route sir well when I started out I did a lot of research into the whole publishing process and I realized that um, from people I talked to and just from reading up on it that I really didn't want to be with one of the big publishing houses because they take away a lot of I feel like they take away a lot of control over what makes your story yours so I decided when I started submitting my story I would try to go with like a smaller press and then when that went south I decided you know I, I had my book out and I wanted to keep it out so I decided to uh, go at it by myself for a while 
Excellent. And then, uh, Brandon, why did you choose to go, Wendy, sir? Uh, well, when I uh, when I finished my first book, it um, it came up short for industry standards, uh, doubly so for fantasy standards. I mean, I, I was brand new to the the publishing side of things, um, brand new to even being a novelist at that point, and. Um, I remember looking into some of the some of the big five. You know, I looked into DAW and to Tor and and whatnot. And their guidelines provided you could even submit something that uh, was unsolicited were for word counts that were three, four times uh, what I had written. And I I didn't feel like padding my story out or changing my my story to fit those parameters. And so you know, I I too did a little bit of research and. Uh, uh, by the end of it, self-publishing did kind of seem like the best option in terms of getting what I'd written out there to people who'd want to read it. As far as research, only prepares you so much for uh, the brutal reality sometimes. Um, being a uh, mm-hmm. indie writer is often a, a trial by fire in, in a lot of terms. As being a writer in, in general or any art- artistic endeavor is kind of learning as you go. What are some valuable lessons that you've learned along the way, either by yourself or uh, from other authors' experiences that you've talked to? Let's start with Chad this time. Uh, I think the most valuable thing I've learned is that, especially online, the community for writers is fantastic. You don't have to do all the research and you don't have to get feedback from friends and you don't have to do it all alone, basically. There's this awesome group of people, whether you're on Reddit or if you're on, say, like Scribbafile or any other community of writers, they're out there and they're willing to help. And even if you just need like a couple words of encouragement, like you can find that out there um, and from people who actually mean it. And it's great for uh, whenever you get down on maybe like not having the sales you would if you were with a big publisher or not getting the attention you thought you were going to get. Or if you're just having a bad writing day, uh, those resources and those people are out there and they're willing to help you out. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, there's a lot of great groups you can join these days. And the, the group that Rob created, uh, Grimdark Fiction Readers and Writers, is uh, there's your cheap plug, Rob. Uh, it's a great <laughs> place to talk with Check people. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. You don't really have to go it alone these days. Uh, what do you think about that, Claire? Well, so first I want to echo what what Chad said because it's so true about the indie community. Um, It's really a community that is very willing to share and pass on the lessons that they've learned. I think the the thing that that I've learned is that indie publishing is not just being a writer. If you sign on for that path, you're not just a writer anymore, and you can't be. Um, if you, if you, you can be if you have the money and you want to pay someone else to do everything, um, and, but even that gets into dicey territory, and you, you, know, you can easily lose your hat. So you really have to to, cho- to choose that path and to really embrace it, you have to be really excited, I think, about being an entrepreneur because you're not just a writer, you're a writer and a publisher, you're a business person. Um, for me, that was the exciting part about it and it's part of what I like, but, it, but that does make it kind of daunting for some people and it can definitely be done. It's just another side of the business that you really have to be willing to embrace and learn. You know, indie, indie writers, uh, one, one person, I think Chuck Wendig said that he, he talks about how People have to be uh, author publishers. That's what he said. You yeah. have to be. You have to be your own publisher in every way possible, promoting and yep. and marketing and uh, figuring out what's the best cover, what's uh-huh. the editing services. Uh, which we'll talk. We'll talk more about that also. Brandon, what's your experience been as far as learning any lessons along the way? Oh man, um, uh, I mean. Uh, just to piggyback, uh, not to sound like I'm parroting, but uh, to piggyback off of Chad and Claire, uh, absolutely uh, having faith in the uh, in the community and kind of um, opening yourself up to that community. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is that there is much more work in making a book print ready than I think a lot of people would imagine from the onset. And when you are doing self-publishing, uh, like Claire said, unless you're paying lots and lots of money to have people take care of a lot of this for you, you do have to take care of it yourself. Um, you know, the first time you set up to write a book, you're not thinking about, well, what what typeface is is good for print? What, what font size? Uh, how is a book properly laid out? These are just kind of skills that you that you have to pick up. And I think that was probably my my biggest lesson was just learning that you do have to sort of be a jack of all trades. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, definitely a, a skill that has to be taken on by those who take on the task of self-publishing. Is It, it is the author-publisher sort of uh, relationship of doing all these things, but you do have resources out there to help. You do have cover artists, you do have editors, you do have a lot of qualified people who can help you make your product the best that there is possible. So let's talk about kind of resources that are out there for indie writers as far as getting information about publishing, finding cover art, editing services for those who want to go the route. We'll start with you on this one, Brandon. What are some resources that you can suggest for those who want to find these services that can help them uh, create the best book possible? Um, first and foremost, you need to find quality, reliable editors. I, I got burned huge on my first book by pushing it out probably a little faster than I should have. And there are definitely some blemishes in there that, uh, that have hindered it. And uh, having a quality interior uh, is, is just, it's the most important thing because as much as you can say cover art is important, and I, I'm a staunch, staunch believer that cover art is important, but finding that editor is key. In terms of cover artists, uh, there are so many great... I mean, in the same way that everyone is a writer, everyone is an artist. And there are artists that, frankly, want the work um, and, and will turn out fantastic work for you. Um, but you need to be able to uh, respect that they are also looking to get paid for their, um, for their talents and their time. I think, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want professional results, you do have to be expected to to pay for someone to give you professional results. I want to add a little uh, extra thing here. Um, as far as uh, there have been some some conversations I've seen on the Internet as far as uh, what do you choose if you're on a budget? So a lot of a lot of indie writers may say, well, I rather splurge on a really kick-ass cover and and do the editing more myself or have a friend read it for me or proofread it for me or whatever. How would you balance that out? Um, how would you think how would you think the the best route would would be to go if you're on a budget and you want to you really really want to get this book out but you can't you have to kind of choose what service you're going to pay for. That's actually an excellent question. Um, I'm I'm personally in a very unique position in that uh, my, my girlfriend is an incredible artist and takes care of all of my cover art for me. So in my personal case, that is, is very much uh, taken care of. Um, that said, I, I am inclined to say that when push comes to shove, you are probably more likely to, or rather, you're probably more inclined to want to put that money towards cover art over editing. And I say that only because you'd be surprised how easy it is to find beta readers, to find people who will who will go through your manuscript and will critique it and will help you make that better. Whereas uh, with art, again, you are kind of expected to, and rightly so, expected to um, to offer up that remuneration. Uh, and also, uh, there is always the argument that uh, the art is the cover art is what catches readers um, before they even get to the first page. Um, and I think just to um, to slouch on that is probably shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. Well, and I think if, if you don't mind if I jump in, I think the other thing that you can do if you're on a budget is um, shop around, you know, find a cover artist who maybe has pre-made covers and those generally, they're not as customizable um, and they might not be your dream cover, exactly the cover that you imagined on your beautiful book, but it might be enough to get the job done and cover art is absolutely important. You know, the whole judge a book by its cover thing, everybody does and they should, that's really okay. Covers are marketing and you do want to get that right and as far as editing as well, you can, you know, shop around. You might have some really great beta readers who can help you hammer that manuscript into shape. And maybe you pay for less expensive proofreading at the end so that you have someone else. I think, you know, there's ways to find out. Maybe you do some kind of a, an exchange, a beta reading or an editing exchange with, with another writer. You know, network, get yourself out there um, and shop around and see what you can what you can find. It's not necessarily always going to be an either or proposition like, oh, I can afford a cover or I can afford an editor like that's a really crappy position to be in you really don't want to put yourself where you're literally choosing a cover or editing like because you gotta you know you really don't want to put that crappy first draft out on Amazon that's just really not professional so you you know again shop around and, and see what you can find uh, yeah that that's a very excellent point Claire um, I do remember reading uh, Brian McClellan 
who uh, who writes the Powder Mage books and has done some self-published stuff. And recently he uh, he put out a blog post, again, more on the artist side of things, but it does talk about um, shopping around and finding um, an artist who can work within your budget. So I think Claire makes an excellent point that you can absolutely um, kind of split the difference and uh, and look around for, for people who can fit within your parameters. Yeah, cover art, I think, is a, a prominent theme with all three of you guys um, and gals um, that uh, you each have spectacular cover art. And uh, you, Chad Ballard, have a pretty intense cover for Sentinel done up by Lindsay Burkar, yep. um, which is a fantastic cover. Uh, what's your emphasis on um, resources out there? What are some resources that you check out, Chad? And, and uh, do you think there should be a emphasis on cover art over editorial or what's your perspective on that? I think I agree a lot with what these other two people said. Uh, you don't really have to choose, I don't think, anymore. There's so many options out there that, and I guess I'll name a couple of them. Um, Scribophile is a great site for getting your work looked at. You can post full chapters, and as long as you review other people's work, they will review your work. That, that's how their point system works. You can, If you review people's work, you accumulate points, and with a certain amount of points, you can submit your own work to be reviewed. And you can do that. I did that with the first couple chapters of Sentinel before I realized I was going to publish it. I was working in a college class, and he, my professor recommended that to me. Um, for cover designs, there's a site called uh, 99design that you post your budget, and people submit works or edits of pictures or whatever they want to be a cover, and then you choose out of those who you would like to pay for the work. Um, and it's I think that one's a great resource for people who are on a budget because you can choose, like, I want to spend $200 on my cover, or I want to spend $1,500 on my cover and make it just this you know fantastic piece of art. Um, there are also people like Tim Markwitz who will do an awesome edit for, I mean, and it's affordable. There are bloggers out there who will do it, and it's affordable. Um, there are, if you want a professional edit, it's going to be expensive. I paid, I think, one cent or two cents for every word of my manuscript to get it edited, and I won't do that again just because it was so cost inefficient. I would much rather find somebody who um, charges a flat fee instead of is going to charge you more based on how long your book is. For example, I, I think I would now rather find someone who's going to charge 200 bucks for an edit rather than somebody who's going to charge 2000 for an edit because, I mean... A good editor is a good editor. There's no getting around it. But you can, I think, find cheaper alternatives to editing more easily than you can cheaper alternatives to art. So maybe being an indie writer is similar to shopping for a TV or something. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're shopping for a TV, right, you're not going to just pick the first TV you find. You're going to say, okay, what needs do, do I have? Do I want the really fancy schmancy TV with all the HD PSRQ <laughs> 725 graphics? Or do I want, you know, a more sensible TV that does these other things that I like? So I guess the options are getting better for writers these days than they, they used to be as far as when self-publishing first became a viable alternative the choices were more limited but now there's all these websites and like like uh, chad mentioned scribophile and there's critters also uh, and you can f you can throw a rock and hit a critique partner or beta reader pretty much these days so yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of options for people out there i think one thing that is a little more difficult to find is how to market uh, you can't really pay a marketer if you're an indie writer, can you? I, I haven't heard of that. Has anyone has anyone you, ever paid someone to market for them? Publicist. Yeah, I mean, you can you can hire a publicist if you have the money, um, but most indie writers, certainly, especially when they're starting out, that's not usually something that's on, in people. It's certainly not in my budget. It's not usually in people's budget or in their business plans. So, it's yeah, possible. It's yeah. So, Claire, how would you yeah. approach promoting without the <clears throat> typical buy my book and right. blah, 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 kind of? Approach? Yeah, right. Because like that just doesn't. Please don't do that. <laughs> if anyone's listening is aspiring writer and you have this wonderful book, don't just start blasting social media saying buy my book. It's really bad. 
you know, as far as, so I want to shout out a resource um, for really all things indie. So if people are, are looking for, like, how do I find cover artists or how do I find information about marketing? There's a, web, a forum called K-Boards, K is in Kindle, boards, kboards.com, and there's a forum called the Writer's Cafe. And like all things on the internet, it has its share of drama and whatever. It's a forum, it's public, whatever. You know, you, if you look past that, there's a really large population of very smart indie writers there. And really, it's kind of, if you just follow along a lot of those threads for a while, you can get kind of a crash course in, in marketing because people will literally say, okay, here's my marketing campaign that I'm doing. Follow along and I'll report my numbers. I'll tell you what I did and I'll tell you what happened. So whether they're using email blast sites like BookBub, if you're lucky enough to get it, or FreeBooksy or any of these others where you can discount your book and get it emailed out to a large group of readers or whether people are experimenting with Facebook ads or um, you know, Amazon advertising, which they offer in some cases, there, there's a lot of options out there, but you do kind of have to learn how they work. Um, and so again, it goes back to the community thing. Keyboards isn't the only one. It just happens to be one that I sort of hang out on sometimes. Um, and especially I did when I was just starting out and I learned a lot. Um, but, you know, find, find other writers who are doing this and who are making this work and, and find out what they're doing and learn from them. Because the indie community is really very, as at least in my experience, has been very willing to share their information. So there is a lot to learn on the marketing side, and there's a number of ways to market your work, um, but there's a learning curve there. So. And then what about you, Chad? What's your uh, philosophy presently towards marketing yourself and, and your book? Uh, my philosophy is that I suck at it. Um, <laughs> I'm really not great. Uh, I think my... My problem stemmed from I didn't want to do what Claire was saying and said, hey, buy my book. So a lot of what I did was um, just get involved in the different communities that I talked about earlier. And if then you kind of let it come up like, oh, by the way, I'm an author. Here's my book. Um, I think Reddit is great for that. Um, my When I got published, I was already pretty um, active on our fantasy over on Reddit. And I made a post saying, hey, my first book came out just wanted to share if you want to buy it great if you don't if that's awesome too and i my sales went crazy um doing it on facebook not so much and i know that a lot of people have different luck depending on where when you post something where you post something like brandon and i could both go on reddit today for example post the same thing saying we both have a new book out and his could sell uh, 1500 copies in the next week and mine could sell three. Oh, so, flattery will get you everywhere chad i know <laughs> Claire said it earlier, I think a great marketing tool is your cover. I think that's really important. Um, and it's just letting your cover speak for itself. And if you can get other people to talk about it and do like the whole uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon for your book, then eventually it's going to spread. If I get like even like my parents to talk about it and they get their friends to talk about it and they get their friends to talk about it, eventually you've got a pretty good reader base going. Like, for example, my grandma read it and talked about it to her ladies group at church. And now her entire ladies group at church of these 65 plus women, 65 years old plus women have all read Sentinel now. And they've all had me come into the ladies group to sign their books for them. And now they're talking about it with their friends and family. So word of mouth, I think is great for marketing. If you can get, find a, a group of old ladies to talk about your book for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most adorable thing. <laughs> it's pretty great, especially because there's a few scenes in there that I really wasn't happy about finding out my grandma had read. <laughs> Grandma, no. <laughs> Please don't skip that part. What about you, Brandon? What's your uh, philosophy in uh, marketing and in promoting your books? I've come to learn that it's very trial by error. I mean, it it is, it is I mean, it doesn't seem obvious to, I think, a lot of people starting out, but um, it becomes very obvious very quickly that push marketing, the the, the hopping on and, and shouting buy my book technique does not work. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a friend of mine who is a an independent game designer. And uh, we were sharing a table at, uh, at Fan Expo, which is basically Toronto's equivalent to Comic-Con. And he told me, here's the thing. People love buying things, but they hate being sold to. So uh, I think it is really just a matter of putting not your work out there, but putting yourself out there, uh, making yourself available. And especially nowadays with uh, with Facebook, with Twitter, with Reddit, um, you know, Snapchat, all the, all the social media stuff. Now more than ever, who an author is as a person is such a huge barometer for whether or not they will be successful. If Orson Scott Card released Ender's Game in 2000, it probably would have tanked because of the fact that his 
worldviews are, are not necessarily what a lot of people would consider popular. Uh, I, I, I personally say that there's a number of authors that I've come across who, because of how they are on social media, that does it, it has an effect on how you view their work. And you don't want it to be that way. You want the work to stand on its own, but you kind of can't help it. So I think that, that when it comes to marketing, the best thing you can do is just, you know, follow Wheaton's Law, don't be a dick, and just try to be, be the best person you can be, uh, the best version of yourself, essentially. And uh, people will be more inclined to, to hear about your work and, and be excited about your work as well. I think as writers, we're all pretty inherently um, a, a little introverted, a little bit uh, overly self-critical. And I think believing in the product that you're putting out is huge. And again, not to not to your own horn and tell people that, you know, you're writing the next Malazan or, or what have you. But to say, hey, you know what? I feel like this is this is a book that people who enjoy the sort of stuff I write will enjoy. Um, I think that resonates with people. What if you are a dick? What if that is your personality? Is it better to just not be on social media whatsoever as a writer? Uh, if you can't control your dickish nature or shitty nature and you're noticing that people are uh, attacking you in groups or, or insulting you because you're, you're, you're too opinionated and uh, about topics people think strongly about. I've seen a lot of arguments over traditional versus indie publishing that have happened and uh, that turns off people from buying books from certain groups of people because uh, they can't control their dickish desires. I, I guess. <laughs> so what would you recommend for writers who are just, they're just not good at navigating the social media uh, ocean, so to speak? I'd tell them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Until you can get that under control, stop talking. Because if Brandon said it great, it really does turn people off from buying your books. I can think of a couple authors off the top of my head. I've seen how they are online, and I, I won't buy their book because I don't want to support them. A lot of people in the indie community, they buy your book not because it's been marketed to them really well. It's because they like you and they want to support you and they want to buy your book. And that's at least how you get them in the door. After that, maybe they're like, oh, I really like your story. I'm going to continue buying your books from now on. But your first impression's huge. And if your first impression is that you're a huge asshole, you need to stop talking. Phil. Yeah, that's why I stopped. <laughs> Do you ever see me talk about my book anymore? <laughs> I think there's a difference, too, between being opinionated and being like, this is my opinion. I'm going to be open about that. I'm going to talk about it. I'm even going to debate with you a little bit and being like defensive. I mean, you can be the kind of person on social media who's like, I'm out there. I'm kind of an ass. But you know what? This is me. And but, but if you're generally kind of still cool to people, there, there's that kind of a dick, you know, who's who's maybe a little bit brash or whatever, but they're not like attacking people and they're not being defensive about their position. I mean, we, like what Phil said about the, the traditional versus indie sort of debate or whatever, you know, if you're out there screaming about how like your way is the best and this is what everybody should do and you're really defensive when people bring up points that are counter to yours, then dude, really, like, that's what's not cool. I mean, I think you can kind of be yourself and have your personality out there if you're generally being respectful to other people, even if you're sort of um, colorful about it. But when you get defensive and when you get, like, you know, like, oh, you guys just don't understand my genius kind of a thing, that's when you try to, that's when it's like, like Chad said, stop talking. Just, just back off and, and just stop, man, because that's, yeah, that leaves a pretty bad taste in people's mouth. There's a huge difference between healthy debate and being Donald Trump online. <laughs> right. and, and you don't want to be Donald Trump online. No. <laughs> well, it, it uh, is fun to call people losers a lot. I call, Rob a lo I call Rob a loser as much as I can. It's all love, Phil. You loser, Rob. There's a lot of you love on this podcast. Loser. <laughs> um, and, and I think, actually, to bookend it, I, I believe you guys touched on this when you guys had uh, Melanie uh, Neodor's on, right? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. So, listeners, go check out that episode if you haven't already. Mm. Brandon Flattery goes all a long way. <laughs> I like it. Teacher's pet. <laughs> Suck up. So what do you think you I guys got on mentioned, this channel, guys? <laughs> you guys have mentioned uh, our fantasy. Um, we even had our our fantasy episode as well. We interviewed a couple of the mods from there because we realized that that is a very important community online right now as far as representing fantasy fiction. One website nobody has mentioned yet is Goodreads. <laughs> so 
Nobody has mentioned that website yet, and you'd think by now somebody might have brought it up, but let's talk about that for a second. Does Goodreads factor in to any of your marketing plans or to reaching out with other readers out there? How is Goodreads a factor? Uh, Brandon? Um, I, I really, really wanted to be good at Goodreads. Michael J. Sullivan, who is a very, a very big influence of mine in terms of uh, how, he, how he presents himself, and uh, I'm a huge fan of his work, um, has stated uh, numerous times how important being active on Goodreads was to uh, building his reader base. And that said, and you know, this is true of a lot of indie authors. There's not a lot of us who who have the, enough hours in the day to spread ourselves across the entire gamut of uh, of social media sites and social media platforms. And I think Goodreads, especially because aside from the the kind of keeping track of what you're reading aspect of it, uh, the more social aspect I think does require a fair bit more work than say um, you know going on Twitter or going on Reddit. And so while I while I have tried to use Goodreads to the best of my ability, I just, I, I kind of got to cut my losses where I can, and I, more than anything, I just kind of use it as as a platform to keep track of um, just how well the books are received um, above anything else. What about you, Claire? How's Goodreads factor in for you? Yeah, I, I have to agree with Brandon. It's it's the kind of thing that um, you have to put your effort as a as a well in in anything you're doing, you have to put your effort where you're going to get some some good return or when it comes to social media you need to hang out where it's natural for you to hang out and fun anyway so forcing yourself to try to like oh i gotta figure out goodreads and i gotta figure out how to do this like if, if you're into it and you love goodreads and you just naturally you know you check in goodreads every day you're in some groups you chat with people about what they're reading do that. That's fantastic. Um, if you don't, if you look at Goodreads, the user interface is really not awesome, and it seems like maybe they're starting to make some changes to it now, so hopefully it'll get better, because the concept of it is fantastic. Like, social media for readers, are you kidding me? That's fabulous. But, like Brenda said, I don't have enough hours in the day. I just really don't. I, and I don't think that any one social media platform is, like, the key. It's not like if you say, okay, well, if I spend that hour figuring out Goodreads every day, it's going to just be the best. It's going to skyrocket at my sales probably not um it's really just the combination of everything else that you're doing so you have to put your effort where it's going to matter and when it comes to social media yeah be on social media um be available be active where it's natural for you to be active and and just kind of leave it at that. that that's what i think um and for me that's not really goodreads i'm not very active on goodreads it's just it's just one of those things. Like if I had unlimited time, sure, I'd probably be active everywhere. But I pretty much think that Michael J. Sullivan is, um, he's like the Brandon Sanderson of social media. Like that guy's everywhere. Like Brandon Sanderson is like that amazing writer who just can like Sandra about, right? He can write and write and write and it just blows my mind. Like I love that guy. And Michael J. Sullivan, his, he's a great writer too. Don't get me wrong. I love his books. Um, but man, that guy's everywhere. Like I see him on the internet. I joined some random forum a few years ago for writing. Like he's there. He's on Goodreads. He's on, you know, Reddit. That guy's awesome. <laughs> but I'm not awesome at that. So I'm not going to spend hours of my day trying to be. And I will say we did have Michael and his wife, Robin, on the show. Um, and I would say that it is a two-person team when it comes to the Sullivans. True. Him and his wife. They are a tour de force yeah. of awesome. And I think that's what adds to his um, success, totally. uh, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, Michael is awesome. What about you, Chad Ballard? Is Goodreads factor in for you? Uh, just about as much as it does for Claire and Brandon. Um, I, I tried it. I, I couldn't really wrap my mind around the user interface. So I decided to stick more with... Um, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, those are my big three on where I tend to uh, do most of my, not marketing, but most of my, when I decide to talk about writing, that's where I do it. Um, and mostly because of, I mean, they've covered a lot of the same reasons I don't do it. It's a clunky user interface. It's, I don't use the site anyway, so I feel like I'd be kind of uh, faking my way into the community just to try to get some sales, and I don't want to do that. Um, I would rather do like what Claire said and sell my books and sell myself where it's natural for me to do that. And I, I use Facebook, I use Twitter, I'm on Reddit all the time. So that's where I can have a natural conversation with people about writing in books, and even like my book, it's, it just comes natural that way. So it sounds like being genuine is definitely a key attribute, I think, in all of your marketing philosophies. Yeah, I think that's really important is be who you are even if you're a little bit of an asshole <laughs> I think one thing um, that's interesting is people talk about oh I need to I need to blog more 
Oh, I haven't updated my blog or oh, I need to get on Twitter more. Uh, it's it's kind of like saying I need to eat more vegetables. Um, I don't want to eat fucking vegetables. <laughs> but I have to because I'm a writer, so I have to get on Twitter and I have to figure it out. Um, that's a good point. You don't have to figure out these things if, if they don't fit into your daily life or they don't make sense for you. Uh, you don't have to blog just because you're a writer. You can just be a writer. Uh, blogging is a great way to learn more about writers though and you know having a website and all this is is a great way to uh, reach more readers and have a place that you can send people if they're interested in your work uh, what what is your philosophy as far as other writing endeavors that are outside of actually writing novels such as blogging or uh, doing interviews or uh, any other kind of writer writerly uh, or artistic thing let's start with uh chad this time well as far as blogs go i have one i don't update it as often as i should so i guess it's kind of like the whole vegetables analogy (laughs) there but i do enjoy doing it i just don't follow up with as often as i should so i do try to do it when i remember to and when i have something to talk about as far as doing other writerly things like doing interviews or uh i don't know podcasts or anything like that i think they're great they're a great way to get your name out there but you also have to be willing to do it. Like, let's take this setting, for example, in like a panel podcast. If you're not comfortable talking in front of a whole lot of people and having your voice heard by a whole lot of people, it's probably not for you. But this is something I'm comfortable with, so I'm willing to do it. Interviews, I love doing them. I love doing written interviews or verbal interviews or going to signings or going to local events or anything like that where I can go out and meet people. But that doesn't work for everybody. You, I think you just have to find something that you're comfortable doing that can get you in front of the most people as possible. Okay, and what what do you think about that, uh, Brandon? I am a big proponent of uh, the idea that a writer should have a number of different things going on at once. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm like Chad in that uh, my my blog is a lot like my treadmill. I uh, I use it when I remember to, um, which is is not often enough. Um, But uh, I absolutely believe that any writing will improve your writing. So I I believe that, you know, trying to keep largely a regular blog and, you know, trying to do interviews. I mean, even this, this is it's not writing per se, but (coughs) we're still trying to to get thoughts out there and trying to uh, organize those thoughts in a cognizant uh, manner. And I think even that will help your writing because you need to be able to organize your thoughts. And the more you can do that on the fly, the easier it is to get it down on paper because you can always change it later on paper. Uh, anything that, that exercises your mind is, is just fantastic uh, for a writer. I think that if you get into working on a single thing for too long and just focus on that one thing, uh, you will stagnate and you'll kind of find yourself in a bubble. Yeah, I think um, keeping yourself Sullivan-esque <laughs> is a good uh, goal to have uh, when you can, when you can be. Uh, Claire, how do how do you think? What do you think about uh, you know keeping a website up to date or blog active? What is your opinion oh, on that? I think a website in and of itself is important, even if it's very simple and it's just a place where someone Googles your name and then you have a page and links to your books where they're available. I think that's really important. As far as blogging, I think it's, to me it's a lot like social media. If you like blogging, if it's something you're into, then by all means blog. If you don't and you find yourself like, oh, I don't know, blog about, uh, you know what? I, I really don't think it matters that much. If you don't have a blog and you never blog, it's really not going to influence whether you sell a lot of books or not. If you blog a lot and you're really good at it, and that's a way that you connect with an audience, that's great. Um, and I, I do agree with, with Brandon's point about, um, you know, writing anything is going to sort of stretch those muscles, so to speak. And I think that definitely has value. The, the counterpoint to that is that the best marketing on the planet is a new book release. There is nothing better than releasing a new book in terms of marketing. So if you're choosing between, well, I really need to write a blog post today, or I need to write my 1500 words or 500 words or 5,000 words or whatever it is you do, get that fiction writing done. Like that needs to be a priority in my opinion for most writers. That doesn't mean that's all that you do all day long, or, you know, you can't have other things that you're working on creatively and blogging could be one of those. Um, But Again, it's where are you putting your time and what's more important. Putting more content out there in terms of your fiction is probably more important than blogging. Even some of the big authors who have popular blogs, 
it's debatable whether those blogs actually help them sell their books or not. It might, but it might not. Um, so again, if it's natural to you, if you enjoy blogging, um, if you don't have a hard time coming up with topics, go for it. I mean, you know, blog your little heart out. But um, like for me, I my website does have a blog on it, and I'm actually going to, when I have time, again, there's that time thing, I'm going to redesign it to take it off because I don't update it. And I don't blog regularly. And I, I really have come to the conclusion that, like, that's just not where I can put my time. I would rather go, you know, knock out another thousand words on my next book than write a blog post about something and try to figure it out. And that just gets to be stressful for me personally. So. Okay. I want to just say after after this, I'm going to write a blog post about, <laughs> about not blogging, about, vo- about vegetables. <laughs> so if you guys want to check it out, it's going to be at my website uh, called <laughs> Philip Overby's Fantasy Free Fall. Free for all. It's going to be all about vegetables. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> five for five for five for five. <laughs> check it out. We actually have to wrap up here very shortly. So I wanted to finish up here asking the question I think that's really important is how can readers best support indie authors and how can indie authors best support indie authors? What's the best way that readers can can help you continue to do what you do and then what's the best way that you as an author help other authors as well and we can start with you claire on this one uh well as far as readers it's pretty simple i think readers need can remember that reading books that they love telling their friends about the books that they love reviewing the books that they love um those are those are the big things, you know. If you find an author, if you discover an author and you really love their work, like tell somebody because that um, we touched on that earlier. That kind of uh, word of mouth, organic growth, that's gold. Like that is priceless. So readers, if you if readers find um, a series or an author and they're like, man, this this is amazing, tell people about it and leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads too. That's it can be really helpful for that. Um, it gives some kind of social credibility to the book and it shows other readers this might be something I'm looking for it might also show some readers this isn't what I'm looking for and that's okay too because nobody writes books that are for everybody readers can just be willing and also be willing to take chances um, I think when it comes to independent authors you know there's still that stigma out there that it's the quality is not going to be as good or they you know maybe they flunked out of traditional publishing and couldn't get a deal and the truth is more and more it's really just an alternative path to publication we've got more and more authors out there who are they're not querying traditional, you know, they're not querying agents and they're not trying to get a traditional publishing deal at all. And they're actually going indie from the beginning. And, um, it's not a quality issue. It's not a talent issue. It's just a matter of they're choosing that path. And I think if readers close themselves off to indie books entirely, they're missing out on a lot of really great stuff. I've read some fantastic indie books in the last few years. I mean, they're just really great stuff out there. So be willing to give it a chance. And then when you find something that you love, you know, spread the love a little bit, tell people about it. And then as far as supporting other authors, what's what's your approach to that? Well, I, I, I think just being a part of the community. I'm, I'm active online anyway, socially, um, sort of in my own ways. And I, I have been for a long time, so that comes naturally to me. Um, I have an, a group of authors. We kind of have an online group, and we share a lot of information. Uh, we network. We chat about things. Writing can be kind of a solitary thing. You know, you're kind of hunched over your keyboard and typing away, and nobody's around. Or if you're like me, you have children in the background screaming, but whatever, you know, reaching out to other people and being friendly networking a little bit um, maybe even being willing to cross promote to say hey I have this mailing list and um, you've got a new release so let me give you a shout out on my mailing list that kind of a thing so I think just being part of the community and networking and being supportive and being willing to kind of give back to the community that's given to you I think is really important wonderful wonderful advice Chad anything else to add to um, Claire's comments as far as uh, readers supporting authors and authors supporting authors um, I think one of my favorite pieces of advice for other indie authors to support another indie author is the word of mouth thing is great and not necessarily in person. Talk about each other online. Talk about each other to your friends, to your family, to your other writing groups, because having even though some people look down on the whole indie author thing as being not as good as a traditionally published author, you do have that little bit of extra credibility in the field. And me saying that I like someone's book to someone from the outside comes across as, oh, well, he kind of knows what he's talking about. So maybe I should give this a try. And maybe not me necessarily, but somebody like uh, Michael Sullivan 
could come out and say, well, I like Claire Frank's book. And other people go, oh, well, then he knows what he's talking about. So that's probably pretty cool. Yeah, and if you can get Michael Sullivan to say that sometime, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but just talking about it within the community and kind of doing a little bit of signposting for them uh, could really help out and it would increase their chances of doing the same for you. Uh, they'll come back and say, oh, well, this guy talked about my book, so I'm going to go talk about his book. As far as readers helping their favorite authors out, throw them a review, even if it's only a couple words long and it's got the stars on it, even if it's two or three stars and you didn't like it and you just say it wasn't for me. That helps so much with Amazon's algorithm of how they internally advertise books. Um, every review you get gets your presence out there just a little bit more. So the difference between somebody who's got six reviews and somebody who's got 55 reviews is going to get so much more attention just from Amazon's internal process. And it's going to help them out a ton that way. Now, I've heard of some some authors who will review books. Do either of you review books or is it a good idea for maybe authors to leave positive or negative reviews? Do you think, Chad? I try to review every book I read on Amazon or mm. wherever I bought it from. Um, whether I just leave the stars or not, that's it counts. If you leave your four or five stars or three stars, that's the same thing as writing a three-page paper on why this was the worst book you've ever read in that one star. <laughs> it, it all does the same thing internally. Because I'm a firm believer that as an author, you shouldn't go read your reviews. You can seek out constructive criticism, but if you go reading your reviews, okay, my first review on my book was one star, and it talked about how the file wouldn't work on the guy's Kindle. So I think paying attention to that too much as an author hurts. But having that review there, even saying like, your book's got a review, it's enough for Amazon to one, pick it up, and for me to go, oh, cool, my book got reviewed. I'm going to go write some more because now I feel good about myself. Just don't go read it. Brandon, concluding thoughts on ways that readers can support authors and that uh, independent authors can support independent authors. What do you think? Um, in terms of readings, readers supporting authors, um, as, as both Claire and Chad said, it is so important to get the word of mouth going, to go to your friends in class that, you know, also read a certain genre and say, I, I just read Sentinel, I just read uh, uh, Echoes of Imra, you guys need to read these, they're awesome. Or, or you know, to go to, to your church group and say, hey, uh, so-and-so's grandson wrote this. Word of mouth is is just absolutely key. Uh, like I said, people people love buying things, but they hate being sold to. So seeing an advertisement on Amazon or on Facebook um, or seeing the author saying, buy my book, unless you're Sam Sykes, is never going to be as effective as someone genuinely saying, I really enjoyed this. You should read it, too. And in terms of authors helping authors, this all ties into community. I think one one of the biggest points, um, and it's something that I think a lot of uh, independent authors might get snagged on early on, is that we're all in this together. If someone buys Chad's book or they buy Claire's book, it doesn't mean that they're buying it in place of one of my books. And you need to be mindful of the fact that someone else's success does not negatively impact your own. If anything, the more people are buying fantasy books, regardless of who they're written by, the more inclined they are to buy more fantasy books. Growth is growth, and uh, and we, we can all benefit from helping one another grow in that respect. Another thing for readers to realize is indie published books are cheaper than traditionally published books. Uh, Tor puts out a new fantasy book on ebook. It's going to be 15 bucks. Uh, I, I can't speak for you guys exactly, but mine's $4 for an ebook. I think I'm two ninety nine. Yeah, I think mine's three ninety nine. So, and Claire, I don't. I have no idea. I've tried to find yours, but I've got a loud keyboard and I didn't want to disrupt it. <laughs> yeah, mine are, mine are in that range as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you want to buy a new tour book, which is great, that it says nothing about the quality of the book, you're going to spend 15 bucks. You could buy all three of ours and another book and walk out of there with less money spent than that. And we spend a lot of time talking about it, but that's not an indicator of quality. It's an indicator of big business where Tor knows their book is going to sell. So they're going to put it up there for 15 bucks, and they're going to sell a ton of copies of it, and they're going to make a ton of money. Just indie publishers and small presses and author-published books, they're not as expensive. Well, lots of good information. I think uh, listeners today will definitely pick up uh, a few tools and a few uh, words of wisdom as far as it comes to uh, independent publishing and if that's a decision that they want to make or not. Um, I did have just a couple of quick questions for a couple of you. I wanted to ask you, Claire, um, how important is Amazon 
how does that factor into your career overall? Is it is Amazon exclusivity important? Uh, well, Amazon is without a doubt the biggest bookstore in the world, and for most indie authors, it's going. Even if you are distributing your work um, at other stores, it's it's going to be probably your biggest resource and probably your biggest uh, source of sales. I mean, really, they they just they dominate. They're huge. They know what they're doing. There's kind of two schools of thought on that. There's some people who think, well, I don't want all my eggs in one basket. So if Amazon changes something, I mean, it's it's at their discretion. It's their business and they can change things. And their concern is customers, first and foremost. As an indie author, you're a supplier of a product, you're, you know, and they like you well enough as long as you're making their customers happy. And so, it, you know, that's just how the game is played. Some people, though, um, the other side of that coin in terms of exclusive or not would say, well, they're the biggest bookstore. I'm going to put my resources and my time into working with them. The advantage to being exclusive with Amazon is you can have your work in Kindle Unlimited, which um, can be really good for visibility because when you're talking about you know, how people find your book, it, there's just that. As Kindle Unlimited becomes more common for readers to subscribe to, it's just there's that big reader base there that if your book is not in Kindle Unlimited, uh, you know, they're not going to be reading you. And you also get rank benefits you know your rank goes up in terms of your sales rank on Amazon when you when somebody borrows your book just like it would if you sold a book so that's a consideration um, I'm personally exclusive to Amazon right now and I will be for for now obviously one of the great things about being indie is I can change my mind about that and I can pivot and try something new um, if I need to but for now it seems um, for my goals and just for kind of how I'm working things right now being exclusive to Amazon is working just fine so it, it really depends on you know your situation on how big of a following you have. It's harder to gain traction at like Barnes & Noble and Kobo and iBooks and whatnot. And it's definitely going to be a smaller percentage of your sales if you are distributed widely like that. Chad and Brandon, are are you guys on board with Amazon as well or do you have a differing opinion on it? No, I'm exclusive. What Claire said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've uh, I've tried a few different things, and with indies, it is hard to get into chains, into physical chains, into Barnes and Nobles and uh, Waterstone chapters and what have you. And having, uh, as Claire said, the largest bookstore in the world carrying your work, it, it's it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's you could kind of argue that it's a necessary evil. I'm sure a lot of people do argue that. But I personally have have never had anything but good experiences in uh, in being exclusive with them. So, yeah, I think it speaks resounding of all three of our indie authors are all Amazon exclusive. I did have a one more question, too, for everybody. And that would be what is your goal ultimately with your indie publishing career? Would you like to just be a full time indie author doing it all yourself? Would you like to be maybe like Anthony Ryan, who writes a really good book and gets picked up by uh, a publisher to continue just writing. What is the end game, so to speak? And I can start with you on this one, uh, Chad. Um, I guess my personal goal for myself is to make it my full-time profession, is that I would like to write books full-time, sell them full-time. If I get picked up by a publisher, great. That's fantastic. I think I'd prefer to stick with a smaller press and maybe still have that little bit of control over my own book and my own process and maybe have some input on cover art and that kind of thing. But I, yeah, I would like to be a full-time writer eventually. I, right now I've still got a full-time job I'm working while I'm writing. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I definitely would like to make this not only what I do, but what I do for a living. Hey, Brandon. Uh, I'm very much in the same boat as Chad. I, uh, I, I'm working full time as well. Um, you know, I'm tapping out 500 words on, on my lunch breaks. Uh, and that's when I get most of my writing done. Uh, in in a perfect world, I would love to be able to to do this full time. I know that it's incredibly difficult to to make a full time career writing. Uh, so at this point, being able to drop to like a part time job, to be honest, is is kind of the goal. Uh, in terms of sticking with indie or going traditional, uh, I am kind of working in a traditional sense with with the Greenwood Group right now. I wouldn't mind kind of. Not necessarily picking and choosing, but I don't mind working in both worlds. Uh, you know, going say the like the Chuck Wendig route or the uh, or the Brian McClellan or or Mike Sullivan route. Being a being a hybrid author and and being willing to uh, work both with with publishers of of whatever size will have me, and then to have my own my own work on the side that I can I can produce um, independently. 
And Claire, what about you? Well, I kind of have sort of tiered goals in terms of book sales and whatnot. And, you know, kind of when I get to a certain point, like, okay, that's goal A and that would be awesome. And, you know, goal B, goal, you know, Z would obviously be doing this as a full-time career and kind of supporting my family. I don't know if that's going to happen and it's okay if it doesn't. Um, But contributing to my family financially is is really, it's awesome to be able to do that. Um, And as far as, as far as working with a publisher, that's actually a hard question for me. Right now, today, I would say no. I probably don't have any intention of working with a publisher. Um, I really like being an independent author. I like being an author publisher. Um, but that's not to say that I, I don't want to never say never. You know, I don't want to say that if, if a deal came along in the future and it was it seemed like a beneficial thing for me to do, I would, I would consider that. Um, but... It, it, it just would depend on the terms. It would depend on the project. It would depend on sort of what I thought that would do for my career as an author. Uh, so it would really be just sort of case dependent. I think being hybrid is a great option for a lot of authors, as long as the um, contract that you have with your publisher allows for that, which some of them don't. So you do have to be a little bit careful there. So um, it, again, it would just really depend. I, you know, we sort of, all, all of us sort of know that we did the stint with a small press and sort of crashed and burned there. And for me, that was kind of experimental anyway. It was, um, you know, I hadn't intended to sign with a publisher and then the the opportunity came along and I thought, well, hey, I'll give this a try and see what happens. And it was a great learning experience and it it taught me a lot and it taught me a lot about what makes me happy as as a writer and what makes me happy as a publisher. And what makes me happy is um, having control over my own intellectual property. So that was a good lesson for me to learn and to really kind of realize that, yeah, this this is a good space for me right now. But like I said, uh, in the future, who knows? Yeah, the industry is always in flux, always changing, and who knows where things will be in, in five absolutely. years. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, Phil, did you have any um, questions for the Q&A follow-up here? Yeah, as far as your current work, what are you currently working on? Are you working on a sequel to one of your already released books, or uh, are you working on any short stories? What What kind of things are you working on at the moment? I'm working on the, um, the final book in my fantasy series, and I also write in a different genre under a pen name, so I'm working on that as well. What genre? <laughs> I write romance. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, cool. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even mention uh, pen names yeah. or writing in, in other genres as well, yeah. so that's uh, for another show. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, uh... Brandon? Uh, well, I got a few things going on right now. Um, right now, I am just putting the finishing touches on a couple of short stories that are being released in uh, the Ed Greenwood Group's um, Storm Talons setting. Uh, I can't say any more than that because NDAs and all that good stuff. I am working on the fourth book, the fourth and final book in the Four Kingdoms saga. And I have a, an urban fantasy project that I'm kind of dabbling with that uh, I'd probably like to pursue a little in the future just uh, as a standalone. And although I don't uh, write romance, I actually have mused about having a, a romance pen name if ever the opportunity arose. So I've got that part figured out at least. What is Brandon? Your, what is your Braga? What is your romance <laughs> pen name? Dare I ask? <laughs> uh, if ever you see anything out by D. B. Walsh. D. B. Walsh. That's a good one. That's classy. Very classy. I like that. I'm going to search for that at least once a, once a month for like the next <laughs> Whoa, no. once a month. Claire, I'm not Chuck Tingle. I can't bang these things out. <laughs> 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 Unintended, right? <laughs> and then, uh, Chad, what, do you, what are you working on at the moment? The thing I'm really putting a lot of time and effort into now is the second book in the uh, Ashen Court trilogy. I think I've got a name for it down. I, I, other than that, I'm kind of working on a uh, superhero serial that I'm hoping to self-publish. And then I'm kind of working on and off on a uh, another fantasy novel with uh, dinosaurs and uh, samurai. So I think that one sounds fun, but I'm not really all that far into it yet. So we'll see how it goes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation. We have gone for like 90 minutes, so we do have to wrap things up. Uh, Claire Frank, Brandon Drega, Chad Ballard, it's been uh, great to have you guys on the show today to get your perspective on indie publishing, and no doubt our listeners have picked up a few things here today. I did want to make sure everybody's got contact information given, so folks, if they want to check out um, Claire or Chad or Brandon's work, they can do that. So we will start 
ladies first. Uh, Claire, give us your uh, contact info, your website, and where people can track you down on social media. Uh, people can find my website, just clairefrankbooks.com, or just Google me. You can find my books on Amazon, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, I think my my name is Frankly Claire, um, but you can just Google, you can just search for me, and I'm I'm all over. So excellent. And then Chad, where can folks find you online? Uh, my website is chadballard.com. My Twitter handle is chadtastic92. And then on Amazon, if you just search my name, I'm the first one that comes up. And that's Chad Ballard with two L's. Two L's, yeah. And then Brandon Durega. Where can folks find you online, sir? Uh, well, there is my website, uh, brandondurega.com. Um, they can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Draga. Uh, they can find me on Facebook just by searching my name. Uh, I have uh, my, my own page and my author page. Uh, and then they can always, uh, they can always drop me a line uh, at contact at brandondraga.com. Excellent. And then we've had uh, numerous uh, resources and websites offered uh, during the conversation. I will be sure to throw those in the show notes so listeners can uh, just check out the show notes and click on the links and uh, go to a few of those websites that we've brought up today. Um, Lots of tools to put in the tool belt. Uh, It's been great speaking with all of you today. Best of luck to each of you in your uh, indie marketing careers. Thank you for keeping it indie. And uh, yeah, best of luck. I think a lot of great things forthcoming from each and every one of you. Philip, thanks again for uh, doing the mod thing here on the panel episode. I think it worked out in the end here. Yeah, I'm mod. I'm a mod. You, you moderated <laughs> yet another panel. Like a boss. Like a boss. Uh, moderate, moderately, moderately modded. <laughs> Well, you can check out our show on uh, Facebook.com slash The Grim Tidings Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction. You can download on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate reviews as well, just like indie authors do. They help us show up a little bit higher in the ratings on iTunes so people can check out more shows. They can listen to more awesome authors like we've had today, and everybody will be happier in the end. Give us ratings. Give us ratings. Thanks again for listening to this Grim Panel, keeping it indie. Until next time, stay grim, stay dark, stay true. Much love. We'll check in with you next time. Horn. So long. Horns. Horns really close to the microphone. Horns. <laughs> uh, really close. Uh, hey, Robert, I'll tell you. I need to tell you.